What could a Justice Kavanaugh mean for the environment? That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to replace Justice Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court has raised concerns about the fate of Roe v. Wade, the Affordable Care Act, and also the environment. In Kavanaugh's view, EPA may not be authorized to pass rules to regulate air and water pollution unless Congress tells it specifically to do so. The New York Times reports that Kavanaugh's philosophy says that in the absence of explicit instructions from Congress, any far-reaching effort by the EPA to tackle environmental problems should be met with deep skepticism by the courts. That philosophy often put him sharply at odds with the Obama administration, which sought to harness older environmental laws to deal with newer challenges like global warming. To some, this represents less protection of air and water, not just because the current Congress is unwilling to pass environmental legislation, but also because the legislative branch is not set up to rapidly address emerging contaminants and other the way an agency staffed with experts can respond. As an example of how Kavanaugh may differ from Justice Kennedy, the Times reports Kennedy voted with the four liberals to allow the EPA to regulate greenhouse gases as an air pollutant. But it's likely Kavanaugh would rule differently. In a dissenting view as an appellate judge, he wrote that while the task of addressing global warming is urgent, the EPA was not authorized by Congress to establish a greenhouse gas permit program. He would likely find that EPA cannot regulate the gases that cause global warming because there's no explicit mention of them by Congress in the Clean Air Act. Robert Percival, a law professor at the University of Maryland, told the paper that it will be really hard times for environmental law if Kavanaugh replaces Kennedy, who at least had an open mind on this issue. A significant majority of the fishing industry has just agreed to protect a creature that's about as long as your pinky finger. Antarctic krill are translucent little crustaceans. After being captured, they are ground into meal and fed to farm-raised salmon and aquarium fish, and they're processed into omega-3 fish oil supplements. But scientists and organizations like Greenpeace have been campaigning for the industry to stop fishing for them in critical regions due to their declining numbers. And now, 80 percent of the companies have agreed to halt fishing for them in large areas off the Antarctic Peninsula. Krill are at the bottom of the food chain, feeding penguins, whales, squid, and seals. Now, the BBC reports that they will be protected in almost 2 million square kilometers in the Weddell Sea. Beside feeding so many other animals, Krill also help offset the effects of climate change by removing carbon dioxide through consuming carbon-rich algae. Can rivers be left or right-handed? The answer is yes, at the point where they flow into oceans. At the mouth of a river in the northern hemisphere, more water flows on the right side of the channel and on the left side in the southern hemisphere. A recent study found this has implications for sea level rise because sea level changes tend to occur only on one side of a river's mouth. Since freshwater is naturally less dense than salt water, river outflow floats along the ocean's surface, where the Earth's rotation forces it to turn sharply back along the coast. Researchers have created a model that can predict how much sea levels will rise based on river flows into the ocean. Chris Piacek of the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute said that when you think of the impact that can occur in low-lying areas like Bangladesh, you want to know what's happening at the coast. When a major storm comes along, 
along, a small rise in the sea level could have a huge impact on flooding. The study was published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. After an oil rig or an artificial structure in the sea has passed its prime, it's generally been agreed it should be removed. But a large group of scientists is now encouraging environmental authorities to rethink that because they've seen extensive marine life such as flatfish and other animals around the rigs. One of the researchers, Jonas Thielman, said that they've seen many more porpoises around the rigs than in surrounding areas and that one can't throw a fish hook without catching one of the many cod around the legs of the structure. He also said that they are encouraging officials to consider each structure's possible removal or just partial removal on a case-by-case -case basis. The tubes, bars, and concrete bricks are beneficial for plants and animals which attract other fish and mammals. Another benefit to leaving the partial structures is that they would provide protection from trawling along the bottom of the seas. The study was published in the journal Frontiers in Ecology and the Environment. And finally this week, Ireland will likely be the first country in the world to fully divest from fossil fuels after a bill passed its lower house of parliament requiring the government to sell its massive investments in coal, oil, and gas. The bill now awaits approval by the country's Senate, but it's expected to become law by the end of this year. Some say this is a remarkable development because earlier this year, the Climate Action Network in Europe ranked the country as the second worst in the EU at addressing global warming. The vote in Ireland is another victory in the divestment campaign, which has generated public pressure on countries, cities, and universities worldwide to cut ties with the fossil fuel industry. Nearly 900 institutions, representing more than $6 trillion in assets, have committed to some level of divestment, according to Inside Climate News. In related news, California has reached its goal of bringing greenhouse gas emissions down to 1990 levels, and the state did it four years ahead of the target date. California actually achieved the milestone in 2016, but it took time to analyze the numbers. Grist reports that the drop was due to an increase in renewables and improvements in efficiency. The average Californian's carbon footprint shrank nearly 25 percent to about half the national average. All of this was done while the state's economy was booming. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association, highlighting the latest cost-effective strategies to manage aging infrastructure at the Water Infrastructure Conference and Expo, October 28th to 31st in Atlanta. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash H2O Infocon.